0: People are always aware of the situation they are in to the greatest degree they can be given the limitations of how the human brain works. Welcome to the Get Real About Safety podcast. In our podcast, we discuss the new view of safety, what works and what doesn't work, to break down old paradigms and help you improve safety performance in your organization. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Pam, and we appreciate you listening. Please share and subscribe and tell others about this podcast. You can find us on most podcast platforms and also on YouTube. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Get Real About Safety. And I hope everybody's doing great. It's February right now and it is cold for Georgia. So hope everybody's staying warm and everybody's out there being safe with all this COVID mess. Hope this gets over with before too long. Today's podcast is titled, The Myth of Situational Awareness. I can't tell you how many times I've seen accident investigation reports that it identified the supposed cause as lack of situational awareness or the worker lost situational awareness. There are three problems with this. Number one, loss of awareness is not a cause. It is a symptom of a deeper issue. Number two, how do you actually know someone else's state of awareness? The answer, you don't unless you're inside someone's head looking out of their eyeballs you have absolutely no clue as to what that person's point of focus was unless of course it's obvious I mean if they're texting while they're driving you know obviously they're distracted but short of something that obvious we don't have a clue what someone else's point of focus was stating that someone and this is the third one stating that someone lost situational awareness is a statement of judgment or opinion rather than a quantifiable fact. It's really just another way to blame the worker while ignoring the underlying system influences or human factors that gave rise to those symptoms. In fact, if you think about the ridiculousness of those two accident investigation report statements, if someone lost situational awareness, where did it go? Think about that. It had to go somewhere, right? If someone lacks situational awareness, it assumes that people normally have full awareness of everything going on around them, which we know is simply not true. In fact, we know today that people are only aware of a fraction of their surroundings at any given point in time, and it has a lot to do with the way the human brain works. I would hope that today in safety, we would have evolved past simpleton inane blame game explanations for events sadly this is all too often not the case that being said those who are involved in integrating the new view of human performance represent those who have matured beyond simply spinning a bottle and picking a cause so i guess a good way to get into this is to first define the term situational awareness You could use some gobbly geek academic definition such as the perception of the elements in the environment within a volume of time and space, the comprehension of their meaning, and the projection of their status in the near future. But if you know me, I detest this kind of egghead language. It is not helpful to the average person and is just another way of someone trying to impress folks with all their vast knowledge. I believe in simple, practical language that the average manager, the average supervisor, and the average worker can grasp. So try this one on for size. It's simply knowing what's going on around us or simply being aware of our surroundings. So that begs a couple of questions. Can situational awareness be lost? Sure it can. It happens every day to all of us. The next one is this. Can situational awareness be gained? Again, sure it can, to some degree. However, we have to understand how it can be lost and the limits to gaining sufficient situational awareness to avoid events. Most experts agree there's three parts to situational awareness. First, there's perception. That's the person's perception of the surrounding environment. Comprehension is how they understand or interpret that situation and projection is the anticipated future state. If you apply this to safety, it would look something like this. Perception is the identification of a hazard. Comprehension is interpreting the degree of risk or severity and probability. Projection is predicting the outcome if things go bad. In other words, what could happen. In a perfect world, Every worker would be paying full attention every minute of every workday, but that's unicorn world thinking. Nothing is perfect. People are not perfect. Organizational systems are not perfect. Plans are not perfect. There are many, many things that can cause workers to not be fully aware of their surroundings. In an ideal world, one would have a complete helicopter view of the overall picture in any given situation but rarely do workers have that information available to them. This is especially true in a complex environment. For example, let's take a construction site or a busy industrial plant where many things are going on at any given time. It is virtually impossible for workers to know everything going on around them and also concentrate on their work. Even if they did have a complete picture of everything going on around them, the workplace is constantly changing. Risks are never static. In fact, they are very fluid. That's why simply doing a JSA or a pre-work risk assessment at the beginning of a work shift does not solve the problem. To further complicate things, if you layer on things like distractions, stress, cognitive overload or too much information to process, production pressures, over-reliance on memory, and many more, it's easy to see where an error could occur that could lead to catastrophic results. When looking at an incident, in hindsight, with all of the available information and having knowledge of the outcome, it's always possible to point out where the worker's situational awareness failed them. At that point, it's obvious. The problem is the worker did not have that knowledge or they would not have done what they did. This is why human performance incident analysis processes and event learning teams never start at the incident and work backwards. They start before, sometimes way before the incident. They put themselves in the worker's shoes and they construct the incident by moving towards it. They try to understand all the complexities, the work complications, the difficulties, the changing environment, the error precursors, the brain-centered hazards, and what performance mode the worker or workers were in at the time of the event. So, let's briefly talk about a few of these. In human performance, we use a model called work as imagined versus work as practice. That is illustrated with a straight line leading to an X. That X represents an event. The straight line represents how we have a tendency to investigate and also how we have a tendency to plan. Now, the problem with that is that's not the way work ever goes. Nothing is ever perfect. And so the real world that the workers live in is a crooked line. And so we have a crooked line that's drawn to the same X. That's the world the workers live in. Nothing ever goes as planned. The only way we will ever understand an event is to put ourselves in the worker's shoes and to understand what were they going through what were the constraints what were the complexities what were the complications what were the error traps what were the error precursors it's only by putting ourselves on that line and understanding what they are going through and how their decisions and their actions make sense to them at the time given the circumstances that surround them and given the limitations of the human brain this is why human performance is a paradigm shift in safety understanding these things completely changes the way that we practice safety now let's talk about attention first it's important to understand that attention is a finite resource there's only so much attention available to us at any given time and anything that interferes with it such as distractions interruptions multitasking takes away from what attention is available, and it dramatically increases the chance of losing awareness of our surroundings. There are a number of brain-centered hazards, way too many to mention here in this short podcast, but let me just give you a few. Inattentional blindness. It is a phenomenon that occurs when someone is highly focused on one thing and misses other things that are going on right in front of them. Some of you have probably seen the invisible gorilla film, you can get it right off of YouTube, and that's a film where people are throwing basketballs, and the object is to have the audience count the number of passes. While they're counting those passes, a gorilla walks out right in the middle of the team, stands there and beats his chest, and then walks off the stage slowly. I will tell you that in any audience, only about one-third of the people see that gorilla. The other two-thirds will swear there was no gorilla there and here's why that is when somebody's highly focused on something we tend to blur the background the other thing the gorilla teaches us is that while we're focused on something and blurring that background if an unexpected event occurs such as a gorilla we don't expect a gorilla to walk out in the middle of a basketball game it is completely invisible even though it is right there in front of them Another phenomenon is called change blindness. Sometimes things change very gradually out in the workplace. And just for an example, housekeeping. Somebody's highly focused on their work. Some housekeeping scrap and debris starts accumulating around their work area. They turn around and take a step. They step and trip over that stuff and fall. It's easy to blame it on the worker. However, they might not have even seen it at all because of those slow changes and the fact that they were focused on their tasks. Now, another thing worth mentioning is what's called performance modes. And I just briefly want to mention that here. We have that in other podcasts. In fact, I have a podcast titled Understanding Performance Modes, and I would encourage you to listen to that one. Our workers work in three modes, either a skill-based mode, a rule-based mode, or a knowledge-based mode. A skill-based mode means that they're skilled at what they're doing. It's a redundant task. They do it all day. They do it every day. And in a skill-based mode, while they don't make a lot of errors, the type of errors that they make are inattention and complacency. Now, this is where oftentimes people do lose situational awareness is in this skill-based mode because it's a boring job, it's, it's a monotonous job. Their mind tends to wander, and here's the thing about it. It's not possible for that person to pay attention every second, every minute of every day. They can't do that any more than they can physically lift a 10,000 pound weight. It's just not how the human brain works. Now, people also work in a rule-based mode. In a rule-based mode, uh, people have to interpret rules, regulations, drawings, work instruction, and the mode of error there is misinterpretation. Knowledge-based mode, and I like to call it the lack of knowledge-based mode, that's a much better term for that, has to do with people not being skilled, not being trained, maybe not having a reference point. In other words, they just don't know what to do. Now in that mode, they have a pretty high level of attention to the task, they just don't know what to do. But understanding performance modes empowers an organization to have a much better understanding of what's actually going on with the worker. So hopefully by now you're seeing the value of how human performance changes the picture of how events occur and how ridiculous it is to simply blame a worker for a quote loss of situational awareness unquote. So all that being said I don't want to sound like there's nothing we can do to help keep our people safe. There are things we can do personally and things we can train and encourage our workers to do that can help increase situational awareness in the workplace. So let's talk about three error reduction tools that can be used. One tool is actually called situational awareness. This is a tool that comes out of combat operations. Police officers, firefighters, and other emergency responders are often taught to use this tool as well. It is basically taking a few seconds before walking into an area to assess the situation, to become aware of what's going on around us. That's why police officers and firefighters do not simply rush onto a scene and begin operations. They first have to know what they're dealing with. To use this tool in the workplace, when you walk into a new area, you simply stop for a few seconds and look around. Look up, look down, look above you, look below you, look behind you, and seek to identify any risks that may exist. Simply by taking this few minutes and becoming aware can prevent a lot of issues. Another tool is called 20-20-20. In a busy work site where equipment and people are constantly moving and things are changing constantly, this can be a valuable tool. And what it means is having the workers every 20 minutes to take 20 seconds to look 20 feet around. Every 20 minutes, take 20 seconds to look 20 feet around. It's just a way to regain situational awareness as things are changing on a constant and continuous basis. Now, I'll tell you, with all of these tools, you have to train your workers, you have to encourage them, you have to praise them when they use them, and you have to be aware of the fact that this is the last line of defense. It doesn't replace other defenses. You know, for example, we talked about A change blindness while ago. Well, a good way to deal with change blindness is good housekeeping. Not having scrap accumulate on the floor to start with, and that is much better than relying on people to look around every 20 minutes. But the combination of the two are very powerful in reducing those kind of errors. Another very powerful tool is called STAR. STAR comes from the nuclear industry, and it stands for Stop, Think, Act, and Review. This is especially useful in the skill-based mode. Where workers tend to lose attention or become complacent due to that monotonous or redundant task, it's also helpful where workers are having to multitask or are under pressure to quickly finish a task. Here's how you use this tool. Prior to performing an action, you stop. You think about that action to be performed. You then perform the action then review and make sure we did what was intended. For example, pushing a button or turning a dial that could cause an operational upset. You know, the reason this tool works, and we talk extensively in human performance training about a number of brain-centered hazards, but we have a thing called a fast brain and a slow brain. And the fast brain is where emotional response and instant reactions and fight or flight responses take place. The slow brain is where rational thought, problem solving, analysis, and reasoning takes place. The problem is is that that slow brain runs about two seconds behind the fast brain. The other problem is that most of the time we're running on fast brain. The fast brain rules. Now, you want people to be able to think quickly as a survival mechanism, but at the same time acting without thinking about what we're doing can lead to devastating, if not fatal, consequences. And so taking a few minutes just to stop and think about what we're doing, it allows us to slow down, allow that slow brain to kick in, allow some analysis and some risk assessment to take place just on a very quick basis. While these tools are useful, again, they're no guarantee because you are relying on the workers to use them. Keep in mind, that the behavior of that worker truly is the last line of defense. If they fail, there is no redundancy to compensate and there is nothing to stop an event from occurring. So these tools really have to be used in combination with systems thinking and how we make sure that we have the right kind of defenses in place rather than just simply relying on the workers. There's a danger in expecting the workers to utilize these tools. Those who have not been well-trained in the HP system's thinking may attempt to blame the worker after an event for not using the tools. So let's be clear. Not every worker will use these tools when they need to. Situational awareness is more of a mindset than one of skill. Not every worker can fully develop a mindset of scanning their work area for risks throughout the day. Also keep in mind that sometimes the system itself will not allow it. For example, on a busy construction site, foremen are often expected to be walking while using a radio, weaving in and out of moving equipment, and other workers who are creating hazards every minute of every day. So the act of blaming workers for not using one or more of these error reduction tools, rather than looking at the system in which people work, simply draws us back into the old view, crime and punishment model, or the bad apple model of trying to fix the worker rather than fix the system however i will also say this there are some in the field of human performance who discount the use of error reduction tools and imply that you should focus solely on engineering out all system flaws in my mind the problem with that kind of thinking is that it is not possible to engineer out every hazard i personally believe you should do both Fix the system to the greatest degree possible, but also encourage the use of the tools to hit the problem in two different directions. Well, that's it for today. Very short, but I hope it was impactful. Hope it was valuable to you and uh, you folks take care. Good to see you. See you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.